0: Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks, and now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis.
1: And this is where pet lovers unite. If you love your pet, gather around the radio, grab your pet, bring them around the radio. If you've ever lost a pet, and I don't mean like just took off out the front door and you didn't put a microchip so you couldn't find them anymore, but... If they passed away is what I'm talking about. And for a lot of us, that happens uh, because pets, you know, they, they generally live a pretty short life compared to ours. That's too short. You could be absolutely grief-stricken by the loss of an animal. We're going to have an expert on today who's going to talk a little bit about that. And also, if you love yourself some pit bulls like I love myself some pit bulls, you're going to want to... And hear- I
2: do, too. Yeah, well, Me you've too. got Come three on. in the studio there, or two in the studio there. <laughs>
3: yes.
1: In fact, you're kind of loyal only two bulldogs, I noticed.
2: Bulldogs are pit bulls. It's the bully breeds that get me for some reason.
1: You know, you only hear about them in the news usually when they've done something horrific. But we've got some great news stories about pit bulls that have been trained to be canine police officers. And that's coming up in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio.
2: What are you working on over there in the newsroom? From the Bulldog newsroom. (laughs) I got another feel-good story for you, too. So we're here to make you feel better today. Think about a, uh, back to maybe a pet that you had in your childhood. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine being reunited with that pet? I, I've got a real story where that actually happened.
1: Okay, that's on the way. Let's go to the phones for your calls for Dr. Debbie and Joey Volani right now.
2: Hey, Kelly.
4: Hi.
1: How are you doing?
4: I'm good. How are you?
1: Very good. Where are you calling from today?
4: I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia.
1: Now, where's your southern accent? I don't hear your southern You're a transplant. There.
4: I'm from California. Oh. Ah. I-
1: so what's going on with your pet today?
4: Okay, so I have a miniature wiener dog, and we have two of them, and one has decided to start eating poop. I'm not sure if it's his own poop or the other dog's, and so mm-hmm. I'm not sure why it started, but on a side note I do make all of their food so I'm not sure if that's part of it so I wanted some mm-hmm. guidance on what we could do or what's wrong with our puppy.
5: All right. And is it a puppy or an older dog?
4: Well, okay, so he's he's one. But he okay. just started doing this maybe 2 months ago. Okay. Um yeah.
5: ish, I'm not sure. Oh yes. Poop eating is like one of the main topics we have in the old veterinary office and it's so common, so disgusting to us, but it is an instinctual behavior for dogs. Um you know, if we think about mama dogs, you know they tend to lick and uh, clean up the urine and feces of the, the newborn pup. So it is a completely normal, instinctual thing. It's when it's gone awry and misplaced in an, uh, a puppy or an adult dog that we see this. Um, so the, the important things to think about are what can trigger this in dogs. And some dogs, um, especially younger ones, I find that it can easily be things like boredom, um, attention seeking or just simply fun to do. <laughs> and right. especially in the younger dogs, that's kind of my, my first focus. And we, we look at that as a training, um, ad- addressing that in a training mechanism. Other causes, which can be more serious or medical in nature, might be things like food allergies or malabsorptive problems, parasites, things of that nature. So usually with a younger dog, I'll start with the training and kind of redirecting the behavior. Um okay. And because it is often boredom related and often supervision related, uh, that, that's the first thing that I'll do is to try to get create a very tired dog uh, by giving them physical and mental stimulation. So that means like, you know, not just things like going for walks and playing ball, but, you know, uh, obedience uh, skills, because that's always using the mind, which actually is more tiring than physically wearing them out. And then decreasing so you the think opportunity. We should,
4: I'm sorry, so you think we should um, incorporate like a little training session of like obedience like in the daytime to oh, help yeah. or?
5: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's a great way to kind of tire a dog out. And anytime I work on my dog's obedience, I can tell they are knocked out and they are more sleepy that night than if they go to daycare and they've played and run and and done things. It's really, it's just, it's an amazing thing on how um, working out the mind can really tire the body. So that's an important thing. Um, But the the big thing is when we have multiple dogs, is we need to decrease the opportunity. Um, So while we're working on trying to um, have other things that he can do, we want to make sure that that we're not setting him up to fail. So that means picking the poop up as soon as it's pooped. Um, And that means going outside, accompanying the dogs um, to, or, or with him to accompany him outside, preferably on a leash or a head halter and that way you're basically controlling where he goes and then you can use positive reinforcement when he goes potty in the right spot and then he leaves things alone and so this is why obedience I tie it into it because um, you know I teach my dogs um, a command called leave it and that may be anything I don't want them to touch whether it be some pills that fall on the floor you know a pile of poop um, or a really yummy looking stick that my dog Nikki wants to eat Um, but when you have a dog on a leash, and you're taking them outside to do that. You have full control over what they're doing, and you can direct it in a positive way and reward them for doing what you want. And then just okay. keeping them away from those um, hazards along the way. Um, that's about, very important. What about
4: like any like an additive to their food? You, you know, and I also make their food. So, is there an additive that there's a lot know, of things I read about pumpkin. I've read. You know, um, yeah. what have you experienced?
5: There's a lot of different things you can do, and I would say the first steps are really always going to be training. That's the mainstay of this because, um, you know, and and I was going to mention another thing is a lot of times as pet owners, we find our dogs running around with poop in their mouth and we just get disgusted. and We start yelling and screaming. So this is where it can become a game and our reaction can actually feed this behavior further. So if you do see your dog with poop in their mouth and they're running around going, Ooh, look at this mom. You need to Mm -hmm. not make a big deal and use more of a distraction. So, Hey, look at this squeaky toy. Look at this great piece of cheese I have. And that becomes the direction yeah. and you don't even try to pry that piece of turd of his yeah. mouth because that just makes it more fun. Is Train yourself. Is it dangerous yourself.
4: for them to eat it? I mean, I feel like it's going to make them sick.
5: Some dogs can get sick eating poop. Um, other dogs, you know, it is completely, it doesn't harm them um, other than it can be an opportunity for um, re-ingesting parasites. So that's, a, wait, you know, wait. one big thing. But, you know, okay. dogs eat, poop all the time and they don't necessarily die from it so you know once we get that it's okay it's okay mom it's okay um right. you you can kind of uh train yourself to to not make it a big deal okay. um so i, a I do... time
4: i thought it was of my cooking so um that's what scared me so yeah is it, is it beneficial also to go to the pet nutritionist to make sure that he's getting everything he needs so maybe there's like the little element of um that's why he's eating yeah. the
5: food too? It, there or... definitely are diet components, um, and some dogs that have some of these digestive problems I mentioned will be more likely to eat stool. But I say for the average pet, it's not a dietary insufficiency. This is a behavioral problem. Okay. So okay. save your money on that for right now, and I would really right. focus on the you know behavior training. Um, the other okay. things that you know you mentioned some of the deterrents to add to the food. There's a lot out there. Some people have them work for them, um, but I find that if that's the only way you address we address this problem, you will fail. Because once you stop feeding that, many dogs will go back to that behavior. Um, The different things, you know, there's the meat tenderizer solution, uh, feeding fresh pineapple, both of those contain a um, a digestive enzyme called bromelain. And that helps um, to uh, impart a a different taste to the stool. Um, Hmm. Also, MSG will will have some uh, benefit for some dogs in preventing this as well. But I'll tell you the number one thing that helped me with my dog when she was a puppy was. Actually baiting the stool directly, leaving one little pile of poop outside and putting a little bit of Tabasco sauce Ooh. in the middle of it—not mm. <laughs> okay. on top, but inside—and that's my magic <laughs> trick. And I will, uh, you know, say that's uh, the key to the success in my household is because we actually hid the Tabasco inside the poop. And yes, as a veterinarian, I was not grossed out. I kind of poked it in there, and had a little syringe, and we squeezed it in there. So it was quite, uh, you know. A <laughs> and, and was it just but one it t- problem? It solved your problem once and. That was once and done? Um, no, it took two times. Two times, okay. Oh. Two times. that, and, and, you know, there's still the, uh, my dog has a food allergy, so she's also on a hypoallergenic diet. So, you know, we had some different reasons that we, we know that it happened for her, but as a puppy, she kept doing it and kept doing it. And, uh, you know, it, that's really what, what gave her that deterrent without me being involved in the loop. And she didn't know it was coming from me. It was just like, ooh, this is no longer a fun idea. <laughs> <laughs> so That's
4: right. good. Well, is our other dog going to pick up his bad habit, or because she's the, the next, uh, the other puppy is uh, almost one, so I wasn't sure if if she's going to try it because he's showing her the ropes, or you know.
5: Yeah, it, not um, necessarily. So it isn't, um, sometimes we do have like an adult dog that does this and a younger dog picks up on it, but I find it's not really the other way around where a young dog teaches an older dog. Old dogs, you know, if, if they're not, um, inclined to do this, um, I don't find that that's something that they say, "Oh, look at, he's playing with that pile of poop. Now, if you run hmm. around and chase after your younger dog and it becomes a way that he gets your attention, then yes, your other dog may in fact, um, start to do that just, uh, you know, for a way to get your attention as well,
4: right? Right, so, as a game. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, that's all right. More than uh, I did not think about the um, the boredom. <laughs> <laughs> oh
5: yes, the joy of poop eating uh, keeps us all. Well, in I the did say world, one time <laughs> I
4: think they were mad at me, and I was getting dressed upstairs, and it came it came down. And it looked like they had like were playing with poop. It was all over there, like throwing it at each other. It was awful. Oh.
1: oh yeah. well we so. wish you the best of luck with this hopefully these tips will help you fix that problem thanks for calling today kelly thank you well don't you know this healthy serving of animal radio is brought to you by red barn did you know most dogs will suffer from some form of dental disease in their lifetime keep their mouths clean and healthy with red barn's new daily dental treats Chewables, all natural and highly digestible. It's the tastiest way to brush your dog's teeth. Visit redbarn.com and use the promo code Animal Radio for 10% off your purchase. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio.
4: Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people. When little Curly, a poodle mix, was rescued by a pet adoption league in Hackettstown, New Jersey, his hair was so badly matted that one of his front paws had to be amputated because the tangles had stopped the blood from getting into it. But Curly got a fancy new leash on life when he was adopted by Sharon and Joe Spitz, who own a canine cafe, a bakery that creates treats for dogs. They said they had no intention of adopting another dog. They already have three, but when they saw a picture of Curly, it was love at first sight. Curly now spends his days working at the bakery, happily greeting the customers and their dogs while wearing fancy collars and outfits. He seems to love his new job and, of course, those doggy treats. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio.
6: 800 451 1359. That's 800
2: 451 1359. Delta, what's that flower you have on? Hi, this is Tanya Tucker on Animal Radio. Love those pets.
1: Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app. For iPhone and Android,
1: cost you nothing to reach out to Joey Volani or Doctor Debbie right now from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And coming up in just uh, oh about ten minutes, we're going to do a quick check from the Animal Radio newsroom. And Miss Laurie Brooks, what are you working on for this hour?
2: Well, there's a, a food now that experts, uh, researchers are warning about after doing this big study about a type of food or, you know, what we think is a healthy food or a healthy treat that we give our pets that can cause them to be paralyzed.
7: Oh, oh wow. What?
1: Okay. So I'll fill you in on all the details. That's on the way. Joey Volani. I'm sorry, well, I, I got hair in my mouth. There, <laughs> yeah, I, there's my, hair I in know, the studio. Have? Okay. My uh, my cat is shedding like nobody's business. And well, not... see, this is perfect. Why is that?
7: We're going to talk because I'm going to talk about how artificial climates will. Re- will make your pet's coat react differently. Artificial climate,
1: you mean like heating and air conditioning type? He-
7: heating and air, yep. You know, just not not the climate that we have outside that Mother Nature has given us, but the one that we have, you know, made for ourselves inside our homes. Okay. It, it appears we have
1: domesticated our animals so much that it's screwing with their coat. And we're going to find out a little bit about it coming up in just yeah. a few minutes with Joey Volani, the dog father. Let's uh, go to James, who has a call for Joey. Hey, James, where are you calling from?
8: I know. I'm in a Lake Park, Georgia. Lake I'm Park, truck Georgia. Driver. Yes, sir. I'm a truck driver, and I'm calling for um, a little bit of Joey's advice here on kind of. I have this little pug that loves to ride around with me, but sometimes we stay out on the road for very extended periods of time, and, you know, giving him a proper bath is not very feasible. So I'm wanting to know what I could do for him, you know, what products or what procedures I. He might recommend to keep him clean and, you
7: know, healthy while he's out on the road with me. So let, let me ask you a couple of questions here. What's your main objective is just to clean the dog? Is the dog getting stinky? Is it shedding? Because that's going to determine really, you know, what direction I go in.
8: Yeah, well, I brush him every day. Um, but we're out sometimes for two months at a time, and it gets a bit oily and stuff, you know, and, And we're walking around in grass that you know I don't know what's in there. I just want to keep. I mean, I got front line and all that for him as far as fixing fleas and all that. But you know, he just gets dirty.
7: There's a lot of products out there and wipes that you can go that you can go to the store and and, and get um, a lot of some spray um, dry shampoos and and you know a lot of things out there on the shelves that you can go out and buy. But if you want a real quick fix and this works unbelievable and it's good that you're brushing and combing the dog now because you, you you're removing the dead coat. So if you're used to doing that, you're gonna go to the store and you're gonna buy yourself a 69 cent box of baking soda. Now, baking soda, you're going to sprinkle that in the coat. Now, it's going to do two things. It's going to, number one, remove the oil because it's going to absorb. So you're going to sprinkle it on. You're going to let it sit. I don't know, just a couple of minutes, and then you're going to brush it through. Not only is it going to re- absorb the dirt and the oil, it's going to also neutralize any odors, any smells, or anything like that. Um, and it's going to, when you brush it, it's going to fall off the dog after it absorbs everything and fall to the ground. So the best thing to do is, is I wouldn't do this while you're in your truck. I would actually do this outside of the truck when you stop, um, sprinkle the dog with it, brush it through. It's going to be real safe. It's really, It's really good for the coat. Um, the dog is gonna smell good, and a r- really good thing and trick with with um, dogs that have folds in their face, and and some some pugs do, some pugs don't, depending on you know how flat the face is. If you use that and you put that in the folds, it'll dry out any type of moisture that's in there, and the baking soda portion of itself will um, actually remove any facial odor. It works really good. It's a good thing. It's nice and cheap, and you know what? I think that you'll be really satisfied until you know. Listen, nothing's ever going to replace a good old soap and water bath, but this is something that you can stretch out with a short-haired dog, and you can stretch it out quite some time, and think be real happy with it, too.
8: Well, that's fascinating, because that's one thing I was really worried about, was, like, the fold in his face. I mean, I get into a keepers every now and again, and I've been using, like, wet ones and stuff, but... That's a very good tip. Bob. really thank you. know what?
7: And stuff. you can continue to use the the, the wet ones, but um the baking soda, you know, if if you wipe it out with the wet ones, go in with the baking soda. And I'm tell you what, you're going to notice that there's no odor from the face. And if there's any irritation, any redness, 9 times out of 10 that's going to go away as well. Mm. I use
1: that on my mother-in-law. She has a real wrinkly face. She has um, kind of a stinky face too. So, and I got that tip from you last week. I appreciate that. Hey, Teresa, how are you?
2: Well, we just adopted a Wheaton
5: Terrier from the local Humane Society, and I had a question about grooming. Um, is there any difference between people haircutting shears and um, scissors that you would use to cut, like, the beard area of a Wheaton Terrier?
7: Absolutely not. The only difference is, is professional groomers usually work with um with long shears, and it's basically so you can cover more ground. You know, instead of working on a person's head, you're working on a much bigger area. But that's the only thing. If if I was um the regular you know head owner, I would use a, a regular small pair of shears because it's probably be a lot safer for you.
1: Okay. Thank you for your call today. The wheat interior, I guess, one of the harder ones to maintain coat-wise, according to Joey Volani here.
7: Extremely, extremely. They um, they knot up real easily if they're not if they're not you know taken care of or brushed.
1: Something to think about if you're thinking of getting one.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, this is Paul
4: Pouncer. Wait, I forget where I am. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. I love that. Hey, hey, this is Paul Pouncer on Animal Radio
6: new to your pet, so we're going to be eating alive! You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic. And maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? Pet Joy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. He said call Pet Joy right now. 800-451-1359. 800-451-1359. 800-451-1359. That's 800-451-1359.
9: This is an Animal Radio News Update.
2: I'm Lori Brooks. We always want the best for our pets, right? So we give them special, high-quality treats and raw chicken necks. As gross as that sounds, they're great for dogs, or they used to think so. And the thinking is, though, not anymore. They're not the healthy treat they were thought to be. Because there's a new study that's out from the University of Melbourne in Australia. So because of this research, vets are now warning that raw chicken particularly chicken necks for some reason, can lead to a debilitating and possibly fatal form of paralysis in dogs called acute polyradiculoneuritis. Let's just say APN as it's known for short. The study says that raw chicken and especially chicken necks increases a dog's chances of contracting APN by more than 70 times. So when a dog gets APN, It's usually first noticed that the dog's hind legs become weak and their walking just looks a little unstable. It can then progress to affect their front legs, neck, head, and even their face. APN can indeed be fatal, too, if it paralyzes muscles in the chest cavity, like the heart. Their heart wouldn't beat. How scary is that? But they say most dogs do eventually recover, though it may take up to six months or more in some cases. APN, if you're thinking this, you're right. It is very similar to the human disease Guillain-Barre syndrome. This new research showed that dogs with APN were nine and a half times more likely To have had a Campylobacter infection caused by eating raw chicken within the past week of their symptoms coming on. More studies are going to be done on this. But in humans, scientists think that Campylobacter, which is most commonly found in commercial poultry products, contains molecules that are similar in structure to parts of nerve cells. And then that confuses the immune system. So then the body's immune system attacks the body's nerves, resulting in that paralysis. Kind of confusing. I know it can be, but think, no more raw chicken for your pet and just avoid the hassles. More and more we're seeing these, these warnings against raw foods coming out, but this one was really strict on raw chicken. Well, the stories of unruly flights caused by animals continue to grab headlines all around the world, such as this one, though, it didn't go off as planned for the intended passenger. She had attempted to bring her hold on, her pet peacock, onto a flight out of New Jersey's Newark Airport. But she was told before boarding the flight that the Big Bird would not be allowed on the plane, even though the owner had purchased a separate ticket for the peacock. Did you believe it? The yeah.
3: S- the story? I saw the video of her bringing it into the
2: airport.
5: I yeah. think, I think it, someone it, set her up for it. I can't imagine someone was that dumb. I don't know. I she, think she said she bought, a Delta. P- she bought
3: a seat for it. Well, if
1: she had a letter from her doctor saying that she needed this peacock, <laughs> it might have been... Yeah, a
5: different... that yeah? Just, just... Doesn't it drive you crazy? It does. How and do that's why I'm saying it's so it's so ridiculous. I'm almost saying, like, you know, someone on the other side of, like, the airline industry put her up to it, saying, let's pick an animal that's so ridiculous that all of the country is going to say this should not happen. And then we're going to pay more attention to the, the, you know, the stringent nature of how so many dogs and cats and other critters are flying on airlines that really shouldn't be. Well if so it
3: worked because it has brought national attention. I think something is gonna be done now. Something they're gonna to have to but make you know, some rules, restrictions, guidelines.
2: You're right, Judy, but and we're all animal lovers, which is probably sounds uh sounds strange to people thinking, well, you guys love pets. Yes we do, but it's it's people I think who are using their pets and abusing the system to to get their head on a plane with them when they need to
1: buy another ticket for it. Well, well, Um, let me play the devil's advocate here, because they they did buy another ticket, and (laughs) a a peacock, as far as I'm concerned, could be an emotional support animal.
3: There still has to be guidelines. I don't care if the animal is a support animal. What if it's an elephant and it brings you comfort? That doesn't mean you can bring it on a plane. They've got to have some kind of guidelines and rules, restrictions, size, disruptiveness, if an animal will be disruptive, if it's trained. Well, how do you know it's not
1: a well-behaved peacock?
2: Well... I can't imagine.
1: I would say that peacock would actually be better behaved than some of the humans on that plane.
2: Well, you might have a point. But wait there. a second. There, they, t- there were height and not height, but but weight yes. restrictions.
1: Weight restrictions and, and, size. and, and size
2: restrictions actually okay. on yes. on the peacock, so that it could not fly. And they told the the pet yes. parent that before the flight.
3: Yes, they did.
2: <sighs> okay. I I just wonder how did these people fly beforehand and i mean i've got my own you know social dilemmas to deal with and and i love animals it just and i hope this doesn't sound mean but how did they fly before how did they fly 10 years ago when they didn't have their yeah their dog next to them
3: don't look at me like that i haven't i haven't done it in years (laughs) thank you
5: Oh, Judy. <laughs> Those shaming looks
3: I gave you. Changed I know. You. I've died. Yes. I i have been, I've made, a, made. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, You're reformed. Yes, I am reformed. I haven't done it in years now and I won't do it again.
1: Well, you used to like take your support tarantulas on the air. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Nobody would know. On the airplane. Yeah. I no, just
2: put them down my bra.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, whatever it takes, right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Finally, uh, a Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania woman never imagined, as would most of us, never imagined that we would see our beloved dog from childhood again. But it's happened in this story in a big twist of fate. The dog is back with her former owner after a very long and sad journey. Nicole Grimes was only 10 years old when she got Chloe. It was a Pomeranian poodle mix, a little dog, and she got her as a puppy from her grandmother thinking she was only 10, okay. But four years later, Nicole's dad got a job where he had to work from home, and he thought Chloe's barking disrupted his So, sadly, the family took little Chloe to the local shelter. Now, eight years after Chloe went to the shelter, Chloe the dog is now 12 years old. She appears suddenly on the Facebook page in a photo of one of Nicole's friends with a post saying that, you know, this dog needs a home. Nicole thought the dog in the photo looked very familiar, so she went to the shelter right away to see if it was Chloe. Yep. Luckily, Chloe had a microchip, and it was her. Nicole believes it was kind of, yeah, an angelic gift from her grandmother, the same woman who had given her Chloe as a puppy, but the grandmother had passed away a few years ago. So happy they're reunified.
3: Wow, what Mm. a great
2: story. Mm. And the microchip once again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, Hal. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com.
9: This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at
4: AnimalRadio.com.
9: Hi, this
2: is Carrie Ann Inaba from Dance with the Stars. Don't forget to stay new to your animals, and you're listening to
10: Animal Radio. Hello Animal Radians. it's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, 5 Ways to a Healthier and Happy Cat. Most cat owners know that a healthy cat is more likely to be a very happy cat. February is National Cat Health Month, and to that end I thought I would share 5 ways to a healthier and happy cat. To begin with, start with nutrition. Your cat's nutrition is so important to its overall existence, it can't be emphasized enough. Cats are naturally predators and carnivores, so an emphasis on nutritional proteins should be at the top of the list. Also, consider providing them smaller but more frequent meals. And finally, make sure that you're giving them the proper portions for their meals. And remember, you can't exercise your way out of a bad diet. Next is fresh water. Fresh water is critical for cats to help avoid urinary problems. Cats have an acute sense of smell, so if you see your cat avoiding the water bowl, consider that it may be a smell of detergents or maybe chemicals from tap water if you're not giving them purified water. Also, what kind of bowl are you using and maybe consider offering multiple bowls for them to choose from. Consider placement of the bowls and how often they're coming to drink from that area. Next, grooming is another way to help keep your cat healthier and happier. Cats are often proud self-groomers, but you should be assisting them by brushing them as often as they'll allow, daily if possible. And if you can get into that routine, your cat will look at it as part of your daily bonding time and experience, and it will benefit from a reduction in excess hair and probably less hairballs as well. It's important to have that ability to observe and be in contact with your cat's entire body so that you can notice any changes that may have occurred. This will also help reduce the fear of being touched by strangers. One of my more favorite ways to a healthy cat is engaging the natural cat. And what I mean by that is engaging them to indulge their natural instincts of hunting and giving them a reason to get up and get physically active and mentally stimulated. Utilize their treats in a predator manner by placing them in different areas of the home and giving them a sense and satisfaction of hunting. Toys, challenges, climbing areas, and more give them a chance to engage their natural instincts while keeping them satisfied in their non-natural indoor existence. It's fine to let them sleep, but that must be followed up with some bursts of activity to keep them healthy and happy overall. Finally, create stress-free places for them. Give them safe places to remove themselves to. Give them different levels of the home to observe and feel safety from. And when you're engaging with them, be cognizant of their reactions. Are they playful or are they agitated? Keep your energy around them consistent and predictable. Now, cats are majestic beings who deserve the best that their owners can give them, but in a healthy way that promotes healthy and happy outcomes. Share your ways to a healthier and happier cat on our Animal Radio Facebook page.
4: Hi, this is Park Overall. I am just thrilled about Animal Radio. Please, stay and neuter your animals. Please.
1: Okay, yes, so puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why Ladybug, the Animal Radio Studios' stunt dog, uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. It seals away the waste and replaces the dirty pad for us. Brilliant Pad keeps the Animal Radio Studios smelling fresh. In fact, all we have to do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And let me tell you, that's pretty fast and easy to do. I love it, and Ladybug gives it five paws up. You can learn more about this amazing machine over at BrilliantPad.com.
0: Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. Uh, We have Brad Croft. He's the Operations Director of Universal Canine joining us. Hi, Brad. Welcome to the show.
11: Hi. Thank you for having me.
1: What is Universal Canine?
11: So uh, Universal Canine is a nonprofit. We're out of San Antonio, Texas. And what we do is we rescue dogs and train them for various law enforcement activities and then donate them to police departments all around the United States.
3: You know when I was young my dad was a cop in DC back in the 60s and they got dogs they were German shepherds and they were trained from Germany they were purebreds and they're not doing that anymore you're not using these purebred dogs
11: No I mean those dogs are still used um they they're used quite frequently I mean that matter of fact that's what most companies like that are for profit they, that's what they do they still sell the dogs to the police but You know, my my company tries to show, you know, the police and sheriff departments that you don't need to spend that money on those dogs and that we have plenty of those, you know, capable dogs in shelters all around the United States that we could be using and, and, um, you know, saving their lives to save, you know, many people lives. I've seen uh,
3: actually pit bulls are now being trained for a lot of police work. Is that something new?
11: Yes and no. Uh we have about 50 of those dogs out working now. Um and wow. we got about 10 more fixing to deploy in our next class. Man, they're, they're, those dogs are fantastic at um finding narcotics. I mean they're they excel at that type of work and, and tracking as well. They're they're very good at, at tracking people, uh missing children, same thing. Um but these these pit bulls are are absolutely fantastic There, you know in the last 10 classes the top dog in our class has been a pit bull
3: uh, you know i love Ooh. that i love them to get a finally a good reputation and where yeah. are you getting these pit bulls from
11: we're getting them from shelters all around the united states i mean we get some as far as away as as hawaii
2: i'm, I'm really glad to hear you say um brad that they are being used as i call them sniffer dogs um in in finding scents and stuff because i have a pit bull and i've seen him and i think he likes to sniff for where wildlife like squirrels and deer have been and Mm -hmm. it's so funny just to watch him track them over the yard and i i don't see them out there but i often wondered if they would be good for that
11: um man they are absolutely fantastic at it and I think as time goes by and as we keep putting more and more of these dogs to work, um, they're, you know, these police departments are going to start to get it. And, and we're just going to have hundreds, if not thousands, of you know, these dogs working out there. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you ever have a dog, you start training, you just think, oh, this dog is going to be great. And then a few weeks in, you're just like, mm, maybe <laughs> this dog doesn't have the aptitude to be a police dog.
11: No, um to be quite honest with you, we have such a high success rate in our program. Unlike other programs, um we probably, you know, don't see hard, almost none of the dogs that we source don't make it. Um occasionally 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 like maybe like 2% um you know, or, or maybe even just 1%. I, I mean, I, I don't even know what the percentage is because it's very, very rare that we um, have a dog that fails out. But what ends up happening is that the shelter that we get them from, we, you know, we already have, you know, all these shelters that we work with and and they know that if a dog doesn't work, then they take them back and then they just find them a good home. But, but. Like I said, for the most part, all the dogs that we source, they, they make it through our program.
2: When you say source, what exactly do you mean? Are are you looking for a certain type of dog that you're pulling from shelters?
11: So, yeah, we're we're looking for high drive, um, you know, high toy drive, you know, dogs. Um, these are the dogs that, that get looked over in adoption events because they're jumping up or down or they're barking consistently or... They just got way too much energy for the family. Well, those dogs are the dogs that usually get put down, right, because they're, they're not adoptable, uh, and those dogs are the dogs that work really, really well for us.
1: Do you have a training experience from before? What, what did you do before this?
11: So, well, before this, I, I used to own a swimming pool company, and um, and how I got into this was that I was on the road a lot, and, um, during the, the time that I spent on the road, my wife at the time was at home with our daughter and somebody was breaking into cars in, in our neighborhood. And she was like, I'm scared. I said, well, just get a gun. And, uh, she's like, no, 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 I don't want to get a gun. And I said, okay, well, we're going to get one of these dogs. And so I ended up getting a dog from a company that, you know, does kind of some of, some of the same stuff that we do now. And I just fell in love with it, you know, dogs with a purpose. And so I just hung around and learned the craft and met people and, and just learned more and more and more. And then finally I was like, you know, I want to do this. <laughs> and so then that that's what led me into this. And then I started off as a for-profit. And then, um, you know, I soon realized that, that you know, there was all these dogs in shelters that were completely capable of doing the same things that, you know, the dogs that I was buying, uh, these expensive dogs that I was buying from overseas. And so what I, I decided to do is I knew that there was all these other smaller departments that needed these dogs that couldn't afford them. So what I did is I started rescuing a few of these dogs and training them and then donating them to these police departments. Well, once the word got out how good the, my dogs were, it just took off like wildfire, and then we converted to a, a nonprofit.
2: You're I'll giving back on so many
1: levels; that is awesome, Brad. I thank you for taking time to tell us your story today.
11: Well, thank you, thank you for having me, and please keep spreading the word for us.
1: We'll keep doing that. If you want to learn more about Brad, we have information over at our website at AnimalRadio.pet.
5: All of us here at Fido Friendly Magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite Fido. We know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side. Start daydreaming now and visit FidoFriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's FidoFriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and leave no dog behind.
0: Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks, and now from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis.
1: It was about a couple of years ago that we lost Boog, the studio stunt cat, a cat that had been with us about 17 years and really was uh, the drive that started Animal Radio. And uh, we carry on in his name. Anything that uh, signifies excellence, I, I use his name. So if a restaurant is really good, I'll say it's Boogalicious I, because his name was Boog. <laughs> uh-huh. Because he was all about excellence. And I still, to this day, get a little of a climp, as you can hear in my voice, when I think about him. He uh, was a special uh, kitty. He was a very special, very special kitty. And you know what? In your life, there may have been a cat or a dog or a ferret or a rat or a peacock that <laughs> meant a lot to you and that you've lost, and you may still be grieving over that animal. We're going to help you today with that. We have an expert who says he can fix your broken heart, or at least help you fix your broken heart. Cool. And he's coming on this hour right here on Animal Radio. So stick around for that. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom?
2: There's some great new information out from the British Medical Journal on dog bites. And they have found... That people who are more anxious are more likely, they say anxious or neurotic, are more likely to be bitten by dogs. So, how do you figure out if you're neurotic or not? They actually <laughs> tested this. We'll tell you how they did it. Uh, one in three are neurotic. Look around you.
3: Yeah, and, you know, uh, if no one else is in the room,
2: <laughs> that's <it's> you. Neurotic. <laughs> Well, you know, it's not a weird association. I had a friend who said that her dog had nipped someone, and then that person who claimed to be a dog uh, dog person, you know, loved dogs and everything, just like flipped out and was screaming and crying, just like way over the top drama, and I thought, anybody who's a dog person, that's not a, a normal reaction, because, you know, that would just set the dog off more, so... I don't think it's too hard to find neurotic people out there.
1: No, it sure isn't, uh, especially around here, at the. Uh...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
1: Yeah. Hey, Jack. Yes. How you doing today?
12: Oh, good, sir. And yourself? Very good.
1: Where are you calling from?
12: Jacksonville, Florida.
1: Jack in Jacksonville, Florida. I have the whole team here for you. What's going on?
12: Okay. Uh, a friend of mine owns a dog, and she's owned it since it was th- uh, he was three years old. It's, um it's now 13, and it's a um, mix between a chihuahua and a terrier, a, a rat terrier. At any rate, um, the dog, before she acquired it, was abused, uh, but has bonded very closely to its current owner. Uh, and its current owner, however, is going to have me care for the dog indefinitely while she gets some things straightened out. But the dog, um, I guess understandably so, is is not real friendly with with most human beings. Mm, And so I'm calling to see what I can do for the dog when it's with me so that, you know, it'll adjust and uh, be a-okay during the time it's with me.
5: Okay, yeah. Well, that's great that you're thinking ahead and trying to set, you know, this, this doggy up to having a good, good situation and, and hopefully making your life easier. Um, and it, it, so I think a couple of questions I have are about your home environment and do you have existing pets and are there other people in the home?
12: No, I live alone, uh, I, and I don't have any pets.
5: Okay. Well, that sounds like that might be ideal for this guy because, um, if we have a dog that already has some, uh, you know, some phobias or some bad experiences with other people or animals, then trying to ask him to acclimate to a new situation where all those variables might be different um, could be a bit overwhelming. And a lot of times I will say, you know, I'll work on um, training and getting him, uh, you know, associated with other people and other animals so that we could have a good experience. But at 13 years of age, that my, the way I would address it is, what do we want to provide for him? Um, and if we're just trying to give him a loving home without trying to recreate um, a whole new living situation and change the way he is about a lot of things, then I would tend to be a bit more protective, meaning that I wouldn't look out for ways that I could say, oh, let's take him out and go to the dog park and see if we can get him to like dogs now um, or you know, bring him around a lot of children at a school because if those aren't the things that he's accustomed to right now, um, I see it as he's in his geriatric years and he, he's, he's looking forward to, you know, living that out comfortably. So as the pet owner, I would tend to protect him from those things as much as possible. Um, as long as you can, and that's something within his environment. Now, as you make friends with him, you haven't met him before. You're just going to.
12: Well, he's been over to the house twice and, okay. uh... He's done A-OK over at the house. He was over for, for the full day on each occasion, the last okay. time being Christmas. But when the owner stepped out for a little while, he got kind of edgy. But mm-hmm. no, when the owner came back, he was, you know, back to normal. And, and and he did well with this on Christmas Day because he'd be, you know, at the dinner table kind of circulating, you know, uh, making weaving patterns in between all, all our legs and whatnot at the table. and. Mm-hmm. Um he seemed very content. He even let me pet him at one point.
5: Okay. All right. Well, and then that's great that you had some exposure with him in your home. What I would say is if possible with that existing owner is if you guys can do some other activities outside of the home where it's not always where, you know, she's there and then she departs and then he's stuck there with you. So it might mean going for a walk and then you're the one walking him, um, you know, giving him treats along the way. Um, and, you know, with her present, that helps to give him a sense of calm. Um, and then important things, um, of course, are, you know, making him recognize that you are the source of all wonderfulness in his life um, when this transition is made. So, you know, making sure that food is given directly from you. Um, instead of leaving an open bowl, um, he sees that you put the food down and that means, hey, this guy's okay. It's one way that we can just assert that we are the leader in a household and that we are also the provider. And it helps to relax pets that might have some anxious tendencies. I don't have to worry where the food is coming from I don't have to protect my food um, it's coming for me this guy's given it to me um, and that's a really powerful thing i, I can't stress um, the power of uh, the doggy food <laughs> enough um, as long as his you know diet and his weight permit that is a very important way to get him more comfortable um, the other things that i like to do around the house are you know just comfort things um, trying to transfer as much of his existing belongings um, beds uh, comfort zones uh, whatever he might have And then um, using pheromones. Um, I use pheromones and then calming um, treats. Uh, VetroScience has a nice one as well, and uh, using those as a natural way to help a pet in a more uh, stressful or anxious situation, and uh, that can that can go a long way without bringing in medications and drugs that we have to, you know, drug him up for the situation. So I, I hope that gives you some help there. Yeah. Um, Any suggestions
12: about when I go to take him for a walk, I don't want him to bite me when I try to put him on the leash and... He is timid.
5: Yeah. So for some folks, um, for pets that are hard to um, collect, um, and I have trouble with this with my uh, my in-law's dog. He's, he's a little slippery sucker. Um, you definitely have to maintain control at some time. So that may mean leaving a harness on him with a little tab leash, which means just like a little short uh, extension leash. Um, and then also food. You know, making sure that we're not leaving food out. We're using the presenting of the food as an opportunity to get him where you need. So if that means pulling him into, say, a laundry room and shutting the door behind him, then you have an enclosed area where you can put a slip leash on him or grab that tab off of his harness, Um and and that's the real thing you don't want to push him because um they're just like cats in these situations you know if they're fearful one negative experience is going to set you back further so um being patient and then finding a way to set this up physically in your home so you're not chasing him about and it's not becoming a you know a stress for you and him
12: thank you so much yeah
1: let us know how it goes follow up with us will you jack Okay. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to Animal Radio, and don't forget you can ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. We are going to line three, which we've neglected today, and we have David. Hey, David, how are you doing?
12: Pretty good. How are you doing?
1: Doing good. I have Joey Volani. Let's all bow. Dog father Joey Volani here for you.
7: What's going on, there, David? You having a shedding problem or something?
11: Yes, sir. I'm having
8: shedding problems with both my dogs, and I was just wondering if you had any advice that.
7: I could, that could help, you have two dogs, yes sir okay,
8: uh, what kind of... it's a, a dachshund mix, and then the other one is a rat Carrier, both short
7: hair, oh, okay, so the dachshund mix is a short hair, it's not a wire hair, correct, yes, sir, it's short hair this is a, this is an easy fix um what you're gonna do is you're gonna go to your local um you know pet store in town, okay, and you're gonna ask for. A rubber curry brush. Now it's going to be, sometimes they're round, sometimes they're rectangular, they could be square, but they're gonna, it's, it's, it's almost like a massage brush is what it looks like. It's gonna have just rubber, dense bristles, um, real tight together. And what you're going to do is you're going to run that over the dog's coat, almost as if you're giving the dog a massage. Your pet's going to like it. You're going to run it down the back, down the legs, down the side. You are going to be surprised because when you first look at this brush, you're going to say, what is he talking about? This this isn't going to do anything, but trust me, it's going to pull out so much hair in the first few strokes of, of, of the brush. You're going to be surprised. You do that for a little while, I'm going to say each day, until you get to a point where the shedding is tolerated, and then basically you can get away with doing it once a week. Do it on both dogs. The other good thing about it is their coat's going to come in real shiny, they're going to look better, and you're going to be a hell of a lot happier.
11: All right. All right.
1: Is that like curry, like C-U-R-R-Y, like the, the spice?
7: Yeah, would spell spelled the same way, actually, yes. All right, well, I, I hope it. That- I, I, you know what? I, I, I'm not gonna say. I hope it helps. I know it's gonna help. So, okay. there you go. Thanks. All right, all right. Nice high
11: high.
13: Alan Cable with your real dogs doing amazing things. Watch. You probably didn't know this, but during World War One, pit bulls were revered. They were on all the war posters, and the dog in the Little Rascals is a pit bull. It seems like every decade has its vilified dogs. I remember back in the 70s, I think it was Dobermans, and then in the 80s it was Shepherds, and then in the 90s it was Rottweilers. It's been pit bulls for a long time now. So here's a real
3: stray pit bull
13: who did an amazing thing.
3: The dog was walking down the street in a small Georgia town when a man whipped out a knife while arguing with a woman.
13: Responding police officers gave the dog the name Hero, and rightfully so.
3: After he was able to fend off the predator so that the woman could actually escape.
13: In the process, Hero was stabbed by the guy with the knife. Five times. Hero's now at a pet adoption agency in Tennessee called Fighting for the Bullies. Some lucky person's going to be able to take him home in just a couple of weeks. This is Animal
7: Radio, baby.
8: Hello, I'm David Bellamy the Bellamy Brothers. And we're on Animal Radio. Love your animals.
7: People say
1: less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. You're
0: listening to Animal Radio.
1: Call the Dream Team
0: now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
3: That gets me every time.
1: You should see Judy dancing in studio with that song. And she used to dance TV. with, yeah, I know. She used to dance with Boog, the studio stunt cat. And he loved to dance. Every time you do that, I, I get reminded of him. Oh,
3: Is that a good thing or a bad thing?
1: Well, you know, it's it's tough. Uh, yeah. He passed, what, a couple of years ago now? It's been
3: about a year and a half.
1: Yeah, yeah I'm still
3: having yeah.
1: trouble with that. I still think about that yeah. all the time. And uh, I'm going to ask this guy we have coming on the show today, Dr. Guy Winch. He apparently is a uh, an authoritarian on broken hearts.
3: Oh, good. He'll, yeah. Maybe he'll help you. So I don't know, know if he's you. had
1: a lot of broken hearts. I don't know what makes you
3: an expert,
6: an on, expert on it. I don't know.
1: But yeah. hopefully he'll help me with my broken heart from my cat that uh, passed a couple of years ago. She
6: had no, he
5: little, was a very okay. special
1: oh, kitty. He though. was very yes, special. Yeah. I know. That's the one thing that most of us pet guardians feel at one time or another is the... Uh, grief of losing a a loved one, a pet, which can be really traumatic. It can be, as I've mentioned before, much more traumatic than losing Uncle Louie.
3: Well, they're with us, you know, every day. We spend a lot of time with them. They give us unconditional love.
1: Plus, Uncle Louie, he just kind of smelt.
5: Well, and, you know, I think that for people that don't have pets, it's just it can be a very hard thing for people to understand. You know, if you're you're torn up about the loss of your pet. Um, yeah. yeah well,
2: they they get can't it. process it. Yeah. yeah.
1: I didn't tell a lot of people because I don't think they get it. At no. least the people that aren't in my pet world, you know, be- yeah. because they might laugh. They might uh think, oh, why are you so upset? It's just a cat. Go get, just
3: another, get another one. one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So that's on the way in just a few minutes. Actually, next hour, right here on Animal Radio. You gotta stick around for that. But first, here's a little ha ha from comedian Graham Chittenden on Animal Radio. They're gross.
14: They're gross, but we just kept getting more of them and more of them. This time last year, I maxed out. Our biggest number was five. We had five. Dogs, yeah. We rescue them. So you could throw the word hero around and it would be very accurate. We rescue dogs. Yeah, rescue's a bad word. We take home busted dogs. We don't rescue dogs so much as we shop at the as-is section of the SPCA. That's... We just kept bringing them home. Because once you have two, you know, it's like being thrown in the pool in your clothes. Once you're... Once it's ruined, you just keep swimming. Five dogs of ascending age... Descending weight. We got them older and smaller as time went on. So last year, I sort of did a tally of the stats. We had five dogs who had total... We had five dogs who had a total age of about 65 years. They had nine eyes total. (laughs) Only seven of those worked. In case you like number puzzles, try and figure that one out. Graham has five dogs. They have nine eyes. Seven of them work. What the hell is wrong with Graham? The last one we got was really, like, we would we volunteered at the SPCA, so we would, again, they adopt out dogs. But what they also have are these ones, you know, you know you go to a used car lot and your budget's so low? They're like, we'll sell you this one, but we're not guaranteeing it. Well, they'll do that at the SPCA as well. We got a dog, we got on a scheduling technicality. We picked her up on a Tuesday only because they had rescheduled her euthanasia appointment from Monday to Wednesday. Yeah, you love me right now. But I don't know why we did it. It was weird. My girlfriend ran over one of her very, I would call it a very loose health check. She said the dog's name, it wagged its tail, we took it home. She said, this dog, perfectly fine. She went, Minnie, tail wag, we're taking it home. Like, for all we know, that last tail wag was her soul leaving her body. <laughs> we took her home. We took, it, we took this dog home. I, and I agreed. I saw the purpose. I was like, we'll take her home. She can live with a family. She can pass away. She can have her few final months as part of a family. And I will admit that those few final months were two and a half years. She lived... <laughs> But if, I don't blame them for thinking it was her time. She, if she was a hand towel, you would let your hands drip dry. She was, she was ratty. She was busted up. She was four pounds. She was blind from the day we got her. She never saw the house. She just, so people had questions like, how did she get around? So like, inconsistently. She just kind of made her way around. Sometimes you were surprised at how good she was. And other times, you were like, how long have you been behind the toilet? First, I didn't know how this dog was getting around. And then I slowly realized, if you are going to get a blind dog, you can't always pick the breed. You might never be able to pick the breed. But if that ever comes up, go with the poodle. Go with the poodle. Because they got the little puff on top of their head. I thought that was for decoration. Minnie would walk around, and she would just try, it was trial and error with her. She would just trial and error. And if she felt the puff compress, she'd try a different direction. She was like, yeah, that's a dead end. She would just like, and it would get kind of tight. She could really fine tune it. Like she would do a couple of like just five degree turns and readjust. She was like a Roomba. Does anyone have a robot vacuum cleaner? She was like a robot vacuum cleaner that left dirt behind her. It was like, I would love to pair her off against a robot vacuum cleaner and see if the room got clean or dirty. That would have been my goal. Yeah, they're, yeah. But that's what we're doing instead of having kids. That's what we're, you know, that's what we're doing. What else do you do with your time? Nothing. But I miss the human race a little bit. I should have a kid. Because I want to help the human race. These dogs are not going to go on to achieve great things. You know, I want to help the human race. I haven't helped them in years. I had one chance the other day. We were at PetSmart, and uh, I was going to make a donation to a good cause. They asked if we wanted to donate an extra $2 today to buy teddy bears for some kids in need. But my girlfriend jumped in. She's like, no. She's like, that's a waste of money. I was like, what? Maybe. we're buying a sundress for a shih tzu right now. (laughs) Maybe it's all a waste of money. You're listening to Animal
0: Radio. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to AnimalRadio.pet.
15: Hi,
11: everybody. This is Frankie Avalon, and I love Animal Radio.
15: Keep listening.
9: Attention sports fans, now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month free installation as soon as tomorrow but you gotta call all
6: american dish right now 800-380-4452 800-380-4452 800-380-4452 that's 800-380-4452
9: this is an animal radio news update
2: I'm Lori Brooks. Hey, if you've ever been nervous around a dog, maybe not because you're definitely a pet person or, you know, maybe it was a long time ago where you had to tell somebody else to be calm because dogs can smell fear. You've heard that, right? Well, it turns out that's good advice, although most people can't suddenly calm their fears like that. But the sentiment behind the guidance is rooted in some truth. While dogs cannot literally smell fear with their nose, uh, they do seem to respond to fearful people with more aggression, according to a new study in the British Medical Journal. This new research also found that anxious, neurotic people are more likely to be bitten by dogs, too. They say men were almost twice as likely to report a bite than women, and dog owners were over three times more likely to have suffered a dog bite but the slim majority of bites right around 55 percent happened to people who had never met the dog before that biting incident. Another pattern researchers found was that people who were less emotionally stable and more anxious were also more likely to receive a dog bite. I thought the same thing. How in the world did they figure that out, right? Well, I did some research, this is what I found. They had a special scale, and for each drop in this 1 to 7 scale, measuring neuroticism, 7 being the most stable on that scale, the associated risk of a bite in one's lifetime rose by 33% with each increment between 1 and 7. Now, if anxiety and other risk factors like being male. Uh, do turn out to be a trigger for dog bites. They say that could then lead to more educational initiatives, more tailored to specific risk groups like men, children, and those less emotionally stable, although they don't always seem to realize it. Well, pets heal your soul and your body. We know that. But the responsibility of caring for one is maybe just a little bit more than some people can handle. Or sometimes it's things like allergies Maybe older people with mobility issues or or rules in your apartment building, uh, and a number of other factors. I mean, it could be almost anything that stands in the way of bringing a four-legged furry friend into your life. But Cubo wants to change that. Cubo is a Japanese company that has created a headless pet robot. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) A headless pet robot. It's not what it sounds. Basically, it's a pillow with a tail that they call a therapeutic robot in the form of a cushion. Uh, like a loving pet, this pillow or cushion responds to your touch. And the hair on it, seems, is, is quite long, but it's also, gosh, really soft. Like a loving pet, you, you, you scratch it or you touch it, and the tail wags. So the company claims that giving love to the pillow will pay off by lowering your stress level. It's, it's weird. Comes. Yeah, it, it, is it is weird. I, I, it is weird, but I thought, you know, it comes in two colors and retails now. This was what I thought was bizarre. It's expensive, but I guess that's a technology for it. $92, but they got all the money they needed through a Kickstarter campaign, so it'll be on the market in the fall.
3: I, I mean, why can't they make a little more effort and make it at least into the shape of an animal? Around? It,
1: it looks hello? like, well, it looks like a cat. Without a head. It looks like a headless cat. It
3: it looks like a really fat
2: cat without a head.
1: And uh, if you want to see what it looks like, head on over to our Facebook page where we have, we actually have a video of this cat in action
2: at our Facebook page. So you want to check that out? You know, I think it might work if you have the money and you can get that for say a a grandparent or a parent who's in a a long-term care facility, a nursing home or what, it would be great. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com.
9: This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com.
13: Hi, it's Alan Cable. Time for another dog tip. My wife and her friend were taking a walk through the neighborhood and were terrified by a dog that charged them from the driveway. My wife's friend was really scared and wanted to throw rocks at the dog. Nothing happened, and just so you know, even if a dog were to attack you, the odds that you're going to get seriously hurt are very, very, very low. Most dog bites, even the ones that send people to the emergency room, don't require much attention at all. So the most important thing is to prepare yourself mentally, just in case. You know, you're taking a walk through your neighborhood, and all of a sudden there's a charging dog coming coming at you. That's pretty unnerving and scary even if you prepare yourself for it. Your number one goal is to defuse the situation. Try to stay calm and collected. Don't turn and run. As tempting as that is, dogs are predatory animals, and you running will activate the prey instinct. He'll probably chase you. Remember, dog attacks are rare. And even if you do get bitten, the vast majority of dog bites, even the ones that send folks to the emergency room, require very little attention. So if you're walking past someone's house and a dog surprises you, be calm, stand tall again. Be calm. Don't look him in the eye, look into the distance. But stand tall and face him. You can look to the left, to the right, doesn't matter. Stand there confident and in charge inside your own mind. The dog will probably lose interest and walk away. Then you too start walking away keeping your body sideways to the dog, making sure you can see him. Calm, confident, relaxed, take deep breaths. Dogs read your body language very well, so a confident, calm, non-aggressive response from you makes you a very uninteresting target. Sometimes the dog gets excited scaring people. and other other times he's protecting his territory or warning the people in the house that someone's there if you're calm and confident and move slowly without nervousness the dog will probably lose interest in you and go back to the house if the dog decides to chase after you as you slowly move away turn around and stand your ground i know that's hard to do again don't look at the dog in the eye he should lose interest walk away and then you slowly retreat but make sure you don't turn your back to him if he comes at you again repeat the process get more tips at animalradio.com. You're listening to
0: Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: It is Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets. The pets that give us unconditional love. Uh, The loves of our lives. Sometimes we love them even more than the human people in our lives. I've mentioned that before and I'm not ashamed about that. (laughs) But I will tell you that uh, one of the... One of the most depressing things about having an animal, because there are a couple of things, not a lot, it's hard, but one of the, they have such short lives,
5: oh, you know? I know, that's the down point. Yeah. Yes.
1: If you own an animal, you're ultimately at one time or another going to have to deal with the grief of losing them. And I have I try to think about how many animals I've lost now. But quite a few. And some of them just And
2: it never gets easier. No, it no. doesn't. Never. It doesn't.
1: No. I, mm-hmm. I still have heart pings when I think mm-hmm. about some of the animals that have left a long time ago. Um. So, yeah, it's it's a broken heart. We heard that story, what was it, a couple of weeks ago, about a lady who had a broken heart, literally had a broken heart.
3: Yeah, she actually had classic symptoms of a heart attack after their death of her little Yorkie terrier. She had a broken mm. heart.
1: Yeah, This can happen. On the phone with us right now, we have Dr. Guy Winch, and he has written a book called How to Fix a Broken Heart. Guy, welcome to the show.
15: Thank you very much for having me.
1: First of all, what makes you an expert on broken hearts?
15: I'm a psychologist, and I've been in private practice for many years, and I'm also uh, well-versed in the research. And uh, one of the things I noticed in my practice that when people lose their pets, their hearts do get broken. And unfortunately, uh, while their hearts get broken, it's one of those things that the people around them take much less seriously um, than, than they should. And so it's one of those forms of grief that are unsanctioned in our society. No one's going to work saying to the boss, I need time off because my cat died. Um, And yet the grief we can experience can be, as you said, as severe as when we lose a first degree relative.
1: I know that uh, during the times that I've lost these uh, animals throughout my life, I did find it kind of hard to tell people because I, I was afraid they would scoff at it.
15: And that just complicates the grief. In other words, the the science is very clear that we experience that grief very profoundly, and there are all kinds of psychological reasons we do experience the grief profoundly, because animals have incredible functions in our lives, and yet it's such a shame that the you know emotional and social support, which are shown to be very important factors in our recovery, are often denied us, and we even feel silly about asking for them.
1: In your book, you talk about mistakes that uh, you should avoid when, when one of your pets died. What are some of those tips that you can impart to us?
15: So it's a very individualized situation. For example, let's talk about reminders. You know, if, if your dog dies, should you leave out their bowls and the grooming tools and their, and their mat where they used to sleep? And should you keep all those things around or should you put all of them away? Well, it's a very individualized situation. What you need to do is monitor the recovery of your grief. And if you've kept everything out and you and you find that you're not moving forward, you're not recovering, the pain isn't lessening, The thinking about it doesn't lessen, you should probably put them away. And if you have put them away too suddenly and you're trying to shove it out of your mind, but you can't stop thinking about it anyway, then you need to process it and you need to talk about it. So grief is a very individualized thing. But the, one of the most important things is that Uh, Our pets connect us to all kinds of social activities, to all kinds of groups, to all kinds of other people, the people we meet in the dog run, the people Mm -hmm. who post the same pictures we do on social media, (laughs) your neighbors, you're known as the mother or father of the name of the animal, (laughs) no one knows your name, no one knows about your name, oh my God, the dog's so cute. And you lose all of that. You Suddenly, people experience, Oh, I'm walking around the neighborhood, and rather than being stopped every block five times, um, I'm invisible. I'm anonymous. So you lose parts of your identity. So one of the main tips is you have to very much identify the voids that the loss created in your life and find ways to fill them.
1: We are with Dr. Guy Winch talking about that broken heart that you feel after your pet passes. Up next, we're going to ask him about probably one of the biggest questions we get here If I get another pet after my pet has died, is that okay or is that disloyal to the pet that died? Oh, like you're not thinking that, right? Okay, that's up next right here on Animal Radio. Stick around.
9: Attention, sports fans. Now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month Free installation as soon as tomorrow. But you gotta call All American Dish right now.
6: 800 380 4452. 800 380 4452. 800 380 4452. That's 800 380
13: 4452. Alan Cable with today's Goose Story.
7: Lucy, you got some flaming, dude. That's
13: Bob. He's got some geese that are named after sitcom characters, and they
3: just want to stay together.
13: I
8: always loved I Love Lucy.
13: Bob's afraid he might have to get rid of the geese. And said
8: so you have 10 days to get rid of her.
13: He lives in the town of Beloit, and there's an ordinance that prohibits his geese. It was a shock. Bob's also disabled, so he's medically allowed to have the geese.
8: I have to get up and let them out every day.
13: Bob started a change.org petition that already has a thousand signatures from all over the world.
8: One of the first long distance one was Alaska, and I was excited about that. Then they start coming in Australia, Germany, Japan, just everywhere.
13: Bob has to pay 200 bucks out of his own pocket to make a variance request and there's no guarantee he'll get to keep his geese. Once
8: something gets in your heart and it's there, it's embedded in you and they're embedded in me and I'm embedded in them. This is Animal Radio.
1: It's Animal Radio and we are with Dr. Guy Winch and we're talking about that broken heart that you feel when one of your pets passes.
5: Well I have a question: What about like in my practice, a lot of clients will go out and get the same appearing dog, so they may get out go get another white, fluffy Maltese and name it the same name what, what, Is that a, a good strategy or a bad strategy?
15: again, it depends if it if it works for the person. We know that typically um, getting another pet can actually be helpful, but it depends how quickly you do it. In other words, if you 're getting another pet the day your pet dies, then you 're in a way trying not to deal with that grief and that can actually, you know, uh, fester a little bit mm-hmm. but if you mourn the animal for a bit and then you decide, you know, I love that animal so much I'm going to get another one, I think that should be fine. The naming of the pet, uh, the same name, I mean we name our children the second, the third, the fourth, and you know Shamu, there's only one Shamu but there are a hundred killer whales, so um, that's not a practice that's that foreign but Again, I think that if you're trying to do it to not deal with the loss, that might be problematic. If you're doing it having dealt with the loss, I think it can have to be very useful. Mm.
1: You know, I see these people spending about fifty to seventy five grand to clone oh, at least get yeah. DNA right now from their pet so that when their pet dies they can carry on the DNA and clone that animal. What do you think of that?
15: Well, my honest opinion, I think that's a little bit silly, because if you get another, you know, a pet, if it's a dog of the same breed, they're likely to have very similar personalities. And, you know, I'm an identical twin, by the way, and so I can tell you from, um, from original cloning um, that um, you can have the same DNA and still turn out different in all kinds of different ways, you know? So... Um, You're actually much better served uh, getting another animal that already exists rather than spending all that money trying to replicate to the T an animal, which you'll get, you know, 95 similarity with if you go with a similar breed. Hmm.
1: Well, that's the thing I hear from everybody is that, you know, I won't get another pet because I I just... um, Can't go
15: through
3: it again.
1: It's such a painful experience, I'll never go through it again, or I feel guilty like I'm replacing the pet.
15: Yes, and guilt is a big problem with pets because... Because pets can't speak to us, because they can't let us know if something's hurting or bothering them, a lot of the times we find out when they're failing really badly, or we don't know they're about to die, and you know we left the house to go to work because they couldn't tell us that they're you know, barely holding on. And, and so we tend to feel very guilty. And, and, and part of what I talk about in the book is that we have to recognize that the loyalty that we experienced from that pet really went two ways: that we tend to be extremely loyal to our pets, and we tend to favor them sometimes like said over humans and over people in our lives, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, because pets can sometimes do a better job for us than the people in our lives can, but, um, you know, we have to recognize all we've done and the the quality of life that we've given to our pet and and realize that, you know, we've really um, given them uh, as as great a life as we could give them, and and guilt is, in a way, sometimes easier to feel than grief, and it's really about grief. It's not about guilt.
1: Mm. You've made me rest easier because <laughs> I, I have this pillow that is from a cat that uh, passed uh, about a year ago, and I'm holding on to it. My wife wants me to get rid of it, but it still smells like her,
15: mm. and, and
1: I just won't get rid of it yet.
15: You know, when, when we lose, uh, you know, a very dear, you know, whether it's an animal or a person, a year later, we when we think about them, it's going to evoke an ache. It's going to evoke sadness when we think about them. But we should be at the point where we are thinking about them, you know, in a, in a conscious way rather than thoughts about them constantly invading our thoughts and images of them invading our thoughts in an, in an unwanted way. So if, if you are still preoccupied, if you are walking around thinking about it on a regular or a daily basis, um, then uh, it might not be a good thing because you might not have fully processed the grief. But if you have and this is just one of those reminders that, that you know when you look at it or when you when you smell it it kinda gives you a moment of nostalgia and then you can move on and enjoy your evening, that would be okay. If it sends you to a place where you're then depressed and don't want to speak to anyone, no.
1: The book is called How to Fix a Broken Heart the author dr guy winch joining us thank you so much I'm, i think we have 10 copies to give yes, away is do. that correct no nine oh, nine copies, nine copies yeah. to give
12: away
15: <laughs> hmm,
1: that's an odd number one for
15: every cat life
1: there <laughs> you go if you're not lucky enough to get on through head on over to amazon.com or your favorite bookstore and ask for how to fix a broken heart by dr guy winch thank you so much for spending time with us today
15: Thank you very much for having
1: me. Okay, it's uh, pretty much time for us to get on out of here. Besides, my emotional support peacock needs to be taken for a walk. You don't want that peacock doing anything in the studio here. So no, I'm gonna, I'm no gonna, that wouldn't be pretty. Gonna, you take him out right now. But you
2: know for sure if we hear of one of those stories this week that we are going to tell you about it next week here, okay? Damn straight We always have those bizarre... <laughs> I want my bizarre animal to go on the plane with me story.
1: (laughs) And if you need your fix during the middle of the week, you can head on over to animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and Blackberry. If you happen to have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend, over at uh, Amazon. They're Kindle books. Awesome books, by the way. And we'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here. Have a great one.
2: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Talk to you next (laughs) week.